Good morning. My name is Jason Buss. I'm a member here at Faith Westwood United Methodist Church. I do, again, want to welcome you for coming and worshiping, worshiping with us today. If this is your, your first time, I want to encourage you to come back and listen to Pastor Steve preach. Uh, he's a way better preacher than I'll ever be. So I'd like to, to start us off with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for granting us this, this freedom, this, this blessing that we have to come together to learn and to worship and to serve you. Heavenly Father, I just, I just want to thank you so much for all the blessings that you have given us. I ask that you be with us as we learn about your word and with us always. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Today is our fourth and final uh, sermon in the Be Like Jesus sermon. The first week we learned about fighting temptation like Jesus. Jesus faced a lot of the same temptations that we faced. He had to make some of those same decisions, had some of those same struggles that we struggle with. Then we learned to make friends like Jesus. We're called to make friends with people who maybe don't look just like us, don't act just like us, or talk just like us. We're called to make friends with people who don't even believe what we believe. And when we reach out, when we go outside of our comfort zone a little bit, sometimes that can make us not the most popular people. And then we learned last week how to show grace like Jesus. If we open our hearts, if we open our minds to the love and peace and grace that comes from God, that, that can be surprising, even shocking to some people. This week, we'll learn about serving like Jesus. I'd like to start us off with our, our theme verse for this series from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1b. Would you say that with me? I follow the example of Christ. Thanks. A few years ago, once a month, I volunteered at the church, and my job was to come in and be the Sunday morning manager. There was a lot of things I really, really liked about being Sunday morning manager. I liked making sure that the ushers and greeters were in the right spot and, and everything was going to run smooth for the service. I liked, after the 1045 service, to be able to put the cookies out. I took this job very, very seriously. Always quality control, always took care of the broken cookies. I was there. The thing that I liked most about that, though, was to just being part of that welcoming experience of Faith Westwood. To whether this is your very first time here, or where, whether you've been coming to this church for 40 years, to just be part of that experience of being a welcome, warm church. There was one thing that I really didn't like about being Sunday morning manager. One thing that just drove me crazy. And that was after the service to gather up the coffee pots and take them back to the kitchen and wash them. Now the act of cleaning, you know, washing dishes, it's, it's no big deal. I wash dishes. I, I, I'm, I'm 
not above washing dishes, but, but cleaning coffee pots just drove me nuts. And it wasn't the pot itself. It was that metal coffee filter with all the grounds in it. Because no matter what I did, no matter how hard I tried to clean out and pre-clean all the grounds out, I'd put it into my water, and my water would be covered in coffee grounds. And I'd scrub and wash and scrub and wash, and I'd pull it out and have three coffee grounds on it. I'd stick it back in the water, and I'd scrub and wash, and I'd scrub and wash, and I'd pull it out, and it had six coffee grounds on it. it. Drove me nuts. And it got to the point where not only was it just driving me crazy, but my attitude really started to not be very good. This, this really became a, a discipleship denied. This became a, a point where this was becoming a, a barrier between me and Christ, these, these coffee pots. I was not serving with a servant's heart. Well, during that time, I decided to volunteer for a weekend retreat. And I think that the volunteers who work behind the scene of this retreat sometimes have more fun than the people who actually go on the retreat. Uh, it's a group, we've, we've known each other for years, and, and we get to rekindle old friendships and tell old stories. Now, we have responsibilities that we have to do, of course. Uh, part of our job is to make sure that, that everything is set up and tore down at the right time. Our job is really to make sure that, that the people who are going through this retreat can get closer to Christ, that they have no barriers, just a, a warm, welcoming, unhindered experience to get closer to Christ. During this weekend, that first breakfast, I ended up back in the kitchen cleaning coffee pots. <laughs> and then during lunch and after dinner, somehow it became my job to clean coffee pots. And that first day, let me tell you, my attitude about cleaning coffee pots had not improved any. But sometime during Saturday, I was cleaning coffee pots. I came to realize that, that maybe, maybe cleaning these coffee pots isn't the worst thing in the world. And, and just maybe, if I can make sure that, that someone has a, a warm cup of coffee while they're learning and getting closer to Christ, if I can be part of that process, maybe it wasn't such a terrible thing to clean these coffee pots. Now, don't get me wrong, I still don't like cleaning coffee pots. But when I do, or when I'm put in any situation where I'm serving and it's not my favorite thing to do, I, I try to understand why I'm doing it. In the very first verse of our Bible reading today, in John chapter 13, verses 1, and that's on page uh, 1079 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along. John's telling us a lot of information. He's crammed a lot of stuff into this very first verse. It says, it was before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So that very first line, we're talking about the Passover and and people from the first century would understand what John's talking about. They, they would understand that they were preparing a meal, and that meal would have wine and lamb. That they would serve unleavened bread, that bread that the Israelites ate as they were fleeing Egypt. And they understood that the story of the Passover was going to be told. That, that set a mind frame for them. 
In that next line, it says, Jesus knew the hour had come. It's a small little verse, but it's saying a whole bunch. You see, in John chapter 2 and John chapter 7 and John chapter 11, Jesus says, my time hasn't come. In John chapter 2, Jesus was at a wedding festival. He's with his mom. They ran out of wine. His mom says, go talk to Jesus. He'll take care of this. And, and, and Jesus says that, that my hour hadn't come yet. He, he knew this wasn't his time. This wasn't the reason that he was put on earth. This wasn't his fight. It wasn't his time. But this Passover meal was different. There's a lot of things weighing on Jesus. He knew that he didn't have much time left in this world. He knew that this was going to be the last Passover that he gets to celebrate with his disciples. Jesus knew that this was the battle that he came to fight. And then the very last line says, he loved them to the end. There was something about that that didn't quite jive with me. So I started doing a little research about that little line. And a lot of scholars don't think that the, to the end means time. A lot of them translate it to he loved them to the utmost. He loved them the most extreme. Here are the people of this world that he loved more than anyone else. So we've set the, set the scene. It's Passover. This Passover was different than any other because Jesus knew that, that now was the preparation for why he was on this earth. And he was with the people that he loved more than anyone else in this world. And as they were, they were sitting at the, the low table that the Passover meal was served on, Jesus looked around and he noticed that no one had taken the time to wash anyone's feet. Now what could have happened some would argue even what should have happened was Jesus should have found either a, a servant or one of the youngest disciples and asked them to say, go over there in the corner and would you get that basin for me, pour some water in it, and make sure everyone's feet are washed. That'd be a huge favor for me. That's what should have happened. That's, that's what tradition said should happen. But it didn't. In verses four and five. It says, so he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In my Christian life, I've been very blessed to experience a lot of things. One of the things that I've got to experience is to be able to wash someone's feet. And I've also had the, the blessing of having someone wash my feet. Now, when I got to wash someone's feet, I got to wash someone who was a spiritual giant in my world. This is someone to whom I loved, who was a mentor to me, and he had just given a talk to a group of men, and he was there, and we were praying over them, and I got the privilege, the honor to take his shoes and socks off and, and to wash his feet, to, to help refresh his spirit. Now on the flip side of that coin, 
I also had the privilege to, to give a talk to a group of men, and, and they came and after I was done, and they, they prayed for me, and, and, and I had a man to whom I respected greatly wash my feet. And I will tell you, as much of an honor as it was to wash that man to whom I respect so much feet, it was just as humbling to have my feet washed by someone that I respected so much. Now, the disciples were used to having their feet washed. This was customary as you come into someone's house that a servant or a young child would, would take a basin and wash the feet just to refresh you and welcome you into their house. This, this wasn't a glorious job. It was kind of a menial task uh, given to, to the least or the, the less. And, and here was Jesus. Jesus, a, a man to whom the disciples had seen feed 5,000 people with a couple fish, walk on water, heal countless people. And this man stripped down and was kneeling and washing their feet. I can't imagine how the disciples felt. If I was a disciple, I don't know that I could even have looked at my teacher and master washing my feet. And all the disciples were quiet, except, of course, for Peter, who was known to speak his mind. And Peter jumped up and said, whoa, 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 this is wrong. You've got this backwards. The master, the teacher, is not supposed to wash feet. The master, the teacher, is not supposed to humble themselves in such a manner. This is wrong. This isn't right. In John chapter 13, uh, verses 13 and 14, it says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus did the unexpected. Jesus saw a need and fulfilled it, even though that need was, was humble need, a, a very base need, something that, that was below the Master. He did that to focus on his disciples' needs. He didn't do this, though, to scold or to mock or to say, look what should have been done. I'm not understanding why you guys couldn't do just such a simple task as, as to wash the feet. No, Jesus did this to model how we are to treat one another, how we are to serve one another. Sometimes serving like Jesus can be awkward. On January 3rd, 1840, Joseph de Wooster was born in rural Belgium. He was the youngest of seven children, and, and it was assumed that he would take over the family farm. Instead, he was called into the priesthood. 
And during his studies to become a priest, he would pray every single day to be sent on a mission. He longed to serve like Christ. His older brother was already an ordained priest and was getting ready to go on a mission trip to Hawaii. His older brother fell ill, and they called Joseph to take his place. He finished his study in Hawaii and, and was then called Father Damien. Now during this time, there was a mass influx of immigrants to Hawaii. There was a, a, a huge worker shortage, and people from all over the world were coming to Hawaii to work. And with all those immigrants from all over the world came new diseases, diseases that the indigenous people from Hawaii weren't immune to. One of those diseases was leprosy, or Hansen's disease as it's called now. And leprosy became more and more prevalent. And pretty soon the, the tribal elders decided that, that we needed to isolate the people with leprosy. And, and so they created an, an isolated little spot and kind of just stuck them there. They didn't have any real infrastructure or, or culture or, or, or anything like that. It was just kind of throw them out there and let them figure it out. And that ensued a lot of chaos. That caused a... A lot of, lot of people not knowing what to do, and, and there, was, there was a lot of strife. And the, the Catholic bishops at the time decided that they needed to send some priests to help guide and, and gain some structure to this. They called upon Father Damien. The first thing Father Damien did was, was to jump in and to become part of the community. He ate with them, talked with them, laughed with them. He really started to get to know them, seeing what their needs were. He, he established hospitals and roads, churches and schools, just meeting those very base needs. And he worked and served along with these, uh, these people with leprosy for 11 years until one day he was working with some hot water and some hot water hit his hand and it didn't hurt. And he realized that he had leprosy now, too. That didn't stop him or slow him down. He, he continued to serve until his death in 1889. Father Damien understood what it was like to serve like Jesus. That we need to fulfill the very basics of needs, whether it's washing of feet or, or building roads and schools to do whatever it is that needed to be done. That it was okay to go outside of the norms of what's normally expected of someone to serve people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, it says, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Most of us have heard that. Go, go the extra mile. It was customary uh, if a Roman soldier walked by that he could hand you his pack and you had to carry it for one mile. It was your duty. And so people would, would start off and they would start counting. One, two, three, until they got to the very last mile and they took that last step and they stopped and dropped the pack and turned away. Jesus says that, that anyone can just do what's expected of us. But instead, if we're really called to show God's grace 
and God's love and God's mercy to the world, that instead of doing just that bare minimum, to just walking that mile, to instead go the next mile, to show that person the love and grace of Christ. So why do we serve? And when we serve, is it more important what we do or why we do it? Do we serve more for our needs or to serve Christ? When we serve, do we do it out of duty, begrudgingly, going back into the kitchen and scrubbing coffee pots with a grumble in our hearts? Or do we serve and make things about others, making sure that others are growing closer to Christ? On the flip side of that, do we serve for glory? Do we serve so that people will say, oh, you did a great job. No, no, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, I have no problem with, with giving recognition. I, I have no problem with, with saying you, you did a good job. But if that's why you're serving, if that's what's driving you, are you really serving for Christ? And I'll admit, I'm, I'm guilty of this one. If I get an email from Pastor Steve and he asked me to preach, and I might puff up my chest a little bit and say, well, obviously Pastor Steve thinks I'm the greatest lay preacher ever. Why else, would he, why else would he ask me to come preach? And, and then I need to check my ego a little bit and, and understand what an honor, what a privilege, what, what a humble experience it is to come up and to share God's word with people. When we serve, we should be serving others, not for us, but for Christ. Serving Jesus can put us in an awkward position sometimes. Uh, It can put us in places that we maybe don't want to go or do things that we may not want to do from washing feet or cleaning coffee pots or building infrastructure to an isolated people. We're called to use our talents, whatever they are, but we're called to use those talents to serve God in a humble manner. We're called to serve those very base needs of people. I do want to take time to, to thank the volunteers, the ushers and greeters, prayer teams and musicians, people running the sound, that we get to have this seamless worship experience. And we wouldn't get that if we didn't have volunteers, people willing to serve. So I encourage you to to thank a volunteer, be it at church, work, or or even in a a recreational uh, thing that you do. Uh, If I run a few races a year, and, and I always try to thank the volunteers that are directing traffic or handing out water just to let them know that, you know, I appreciate you giving up time so that I can do something that I enjoy.
when we, anyone who, who sees a need and then goes and fulfills it is serving like Christ. Can you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, again, I want to thank you for all the, the blessings that we, we have. I want to thank you for all the, t- the people who give up their time and their talents to serve, to model being like Christ. And Heavenly Father, I, I, just, I pray that you give us the, the boldness to see those needs and then fulfill them. I ask this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
now it's our time to go out into the world. Even though as Christians it may make us awkward, we may be called into different things. We're called to show the love of Christ. So now it is our time to go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fair.